Chapter 62 The Meeting Between the Sinner and God You meet him who rejoices in doing righteousness, who remembers you in your ways. Behold, you were angry, for we sinned. We continued in them a long time. And shall we be saved? Isaiah 64, 5. The verse preceding Isaiah 64, 4 is quoted by Paul, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, in reference to the hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory, 1 Corinthians 2, 7, so that we may take it and our text as indicating God's thoughts of wisdom as coming out in His dealings with us in Christ, His dealings with Israel, His dealings with the church, as seen both at the first and the second coming of Christ, and His dealings with man in grace, that is, according to His own free love. My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways. Isaiah 55, 8. In our text, we have a specimen of God's thoughts and ways. 1. God meets man. You meet him. Distance is our natural condition. Sin produced it, Adam showed it, and man loves it. We are as far from God as possible. Depart from us, Job 21.14 and 22.17. Men say, So the prodigal son went into the far country. Man wants no meeting with God. He would rather that the distance was preserved forever. The thought of meeting God is unpleasant. Thus the irksomeness of religion and the weariness of Sabbaths, even though the meeting is of the vaguest and most formal shadowy kind. He must meet him on the judgment day, but he tries not to think of this and hopes that he will be ready when it comes. But though of himself man may not draw near to God, yet God calls men unto himself. John 6.44. He does not love the distance and separation. He comes near. He did so in the person of the prophets and similar messengers. He did so especially in the angel of the covenant and in the word made flesh. But his object is not merely to visit earth, but also to come up to and to draw near to each of his creatures. He is desirous of a meeting, a loving and friendly meeting, not a judgment or reproof or vengeance, but of grace. Isaiah speaks as one who knew this. You meet him, he says, that is, you are in the habit of doing so. It is your practice, your custom to meet the sinner. This is our message in the gospel that God wants to meet you, to meet each of you. He proposes a meeting. He tells you that there is no coldness nor unwillingness on his part, that all things are ready. Come, meet with me, I wish to meet with you. 2. How does he meet man? In love, as the Lord God merciful and gracious. He meets him as Jesus met the Galilean fishermen and said, Follow me. Matthew 4.19 and Mark 1.17. As Jesus met the woman of Sychar, and as he met Zacchaeus and Mary Magdalene. He meets him with pardon and reconciliation. He meets him as Melchizedek met Abraham, to bless him. Man dislikes the meeting, either for blessing or cursing. God desires it, so that he may bless. 3. Where does he meet man? At the cross, 
That is the meeting place. There is no other. It is a safe one and a blessed one. There is no wrath there, no condemnation, no darkness. God stands at the cross and cries aloud, Meet me here, not on a spot of your own choosing, but here on the spot that I have chosen, here where the blood was shed and Christ's sacrifice was offered up. This is the meeting place. Two meeting places, one the cross, now, the other the judgment seat, hereafter. Which do you choose? You must choose one. And for what men are they whom he meets? Now, in what follows, we are not to understand that the class is narrowed or restricted, that he shuts out the worst and will have none of them. The description given refers simply to the footing on which he receives them. On that footing, he is willing to receive anyone and everyone. On that footing, everybody may place themselves and so be sure of a welcome. Our text, however, evidently does not refer exclusively to the first meeting, but to the whole subsequent interaction, and describes the footing on which that fellowship is to go on and be maintained. There are three things declared as to those with whom God meets. These three things follow each other in a certain order. A. The rejoicing man. He is one who has found in the gospel glad tidings of great joy. One of those described by David in the 32nd Psalm, a man of blessedness. He has found the rejoicing of the hope, and he holds it to the end. He has accepted the good news, and as such, he is accepted of God. God meets him. B. The man that works righteousness. He one works, he is not slothful. Two works righteousness, good works and three, works righteousness because he rejoices. He does not rejoice because he works, but he works because he rejoices. His joy makes him a worker, a doer of the will of God, able for suffering or laboring. His life is a doing of righteousness. And see, those who remember you in your ways. This corresponds with the apostolic fixing our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12.2. We remember God. We remember Him in His ways, His footsteps, and His doings, as recorded in Scripture. When we remember Him, we do so in connection with some of His many ways recorded there. This meeting is a lifelong one, not yesterday, today, nor tomorrow, but continual, begun at conversion, carried on through life, and consummated in the kingdom. It is a meeting for pardon, a meeting for fellowship, a meeting for the bestowal of all love and blessing, a prelude to the more glorious meeting when Jesus comes the second time to begin his endless reign.